It hit me recently as I've been talking about climate change that nearly nobody knows what's so bad about climate change. I started asking people and really almost nobody understands. Actually, of the maybe dozens of people that I've asked, one person knew and it took a lot of prompting for her to say it because it's kind of hard to get to. Everyone gets sea level rise, biodiversity loss, loss of coral reefs, the big hurricanes, once every 500 year hurricanes happening every year. I will grant you that we will have to move cities as the sea levels rise. I live in New York City. We're right on the ocean. The sea level rise would cause a lot of it to be submerged. We're going to have to rebuild entire cities farther inland. And I will grant that we have to do that, that that's going to be a big thing to do. It's going to take people away from what they're doing. Industries will dramatically change. Some things just won't happen anymore as more and more of the workforce is going to have to build whole new cities. That's going to be a dramatic change for lots of people. But I respond to that, that that's going to be a tremendously rewarding experience for a lot of people. It will give meaning and purpose in the sort of way that, you know, storming Normandy was tragic, but people who did it, they knew that they were saving Europe and the world. I don't think it'll be, it's not quite going into hail of bullets. There'll be a lot of turmoil, but that's something that after a period of adjustment will do well, right? We have science and technology that makes this stuff work. I'll grant that there will be giant hurricanes, class five hurricanes all the time. They will pound the coastlines. They will pound lots of places. There'll be lots of weather events like that, more tornadoes and things like that. Yes, I'll grant that, but I'll respond that we'll learn how to make our buildings stronger. We'll learn how to build cities that can respond to hurricanes. Hurricane Katrina, I believe, caused $125 billion worth of damage and I think killed 1,000 or maybe 2,000 people. This is tragic. This is really horrible. But I think most people consider climate change results from progress using fossil fuels in a way that brought billions out of poverty, that brought prosperity, longevity, and health to billions. While 1,000 deaths or 2,000 deaths are tragic, compared to billions of people's lives improved, given that science and technology will enable us to make buildings that are stronger and so forth, and not just buildings, but cities that are hurricane-proof and so forth, that's a trade I think most people would consider worth it. Yes, of course, no one wants to be or know or be related to the people who died, but after a few years of that, we'll learn how to protect ourselves from hurricanes like that. It's not necessarily such a bad deal. Maybe you've read books like The Uninhabitable Earth or ones describing the hellscape that we may turn Earth into if we go up four degrees or more or even above two degrees. Lots of parts will be unlivable, but some parts won't be unlivable. And we have science and technology that have solved lots of problems before. Maybe we'll build cities under sea or we'll build more stuff in Antarctica or more stuff up in mountains where it's not so hot. I think people expect whatever problems come, we can solve these things. And all the problems I've said so far seem solvable. I mean, sea level rise means Florida won't be around so much, so people won't be able to live on, you know, Miami, but they'll move inland, they'll move north, we'll adjust. I think if that's the view people have, climate change isn't so bad. And that's what I come up with when I ask people, what's so bad about climate change? They say, well, we'll lose the coral reefs. And I say, okay, so what's bad about that? And they kind of struggle. And they're like, I guess that's really not so bad. I mean, I'd rather have coral reefs than not, but... Coral reefs is where food comes from. A lot of people depend on that. But they've also read that people saying, how are we going to feed 10 billion people in the year 2100? And the people seem to have answers. 
So they figure, well, I guess coral reefs will lose them. I won't go to the Great Barrier Reef to see its beauty, but someone has figured out how to figure this stuff out. So not so bad. And that's where most people are. And if that's the situation, I don't see what's so bad about global warming if what we get in return is all of what fossil fuels have brought us of comfort and convenience and so forth. Those are not the problems with global warming, with climate change. Yes, they're problems, but nothing on the scale of the problems of global warming. To describe it, I have to describe a story that regular listeners may have heard before, but it's a story about Kevin. Actually, this is Kevin was a guest on the podcast, Kevin Cahill. He told me about when he bought a house, he lives out on the West Coast, and he bought a house in Idaho. Out there, he was with a neighbor who's a hunter, and he saw elk. They were off in the distance from, I think they were on one of their porches, and they saw some elk off in the distance. And the hunter says, about how many elk do you see out there in some herd? Kevin says, guess about 100. And the hunter says, yeah, I guess about 100 too. And he says, you know, I've lived here all my life. There's enough vegetation around here for 75 elk over the winter. Kevin thinks about it and says, I guess that means that 25 elk are going to die over the winter. The hunter says, no, 25 are going to live over the winter. It took me a while to figure it out. The elk don't triage. They don't say, hey, we've counted up all of the food here and we know how much there is and there's 100 of us and there's food for 75. So you 25, take one for the team. Don't eat. Just die. One, they can't figure that out. Two, they wouldn't do that. In any case, they don't do that. What happens? The next day, all 100 of them are still alive and they're all eating. So that a week later, there's still 100 of them left, but there's enough food for 74 over the winter. And a week later, there's enough for 70, 70 over the winter. And two weeks later, there's enough for 60 over the winter. Eventually, they start dying. But all of them have eaten. So ones that were going to die, eat. The 25 that make it, barely make it into the spring. And then the, ve- the new vegetation starts coming out and they can regrow. Now, it's possible the hunter has some self-interest because he, maybe he wants to say, if he goes and hunts a few of them, he's not, I'm not killing 25. I'm saving 50. So there may be some self-interest, but I believe the fact is there. Actually, I know the fact is there because it's been observed in many different populations all over the place. It's one of the reasons why we allow, hunt, why we allow hunting. One of the reasons. And it's been observed in many populations. I don't work with elk. I do work with people. So I said to Kevin, next time you see the hunter, ask him what he thinks will happen if there's 25% too few or too low resources for humans. Because humans differ from elk in many ways. One of them is that humans have maps And we draw lines on those maps and we say, if you cross this line, I will defend myself. I will defend my nation. I will defend my family. Humans have machine guns and nuclear weapons that elk don't. And when we decide to defend ourselves, we forget about the future and we use resources like crazy. It could easily happen that if we were not just 25% too low resources that we drop down to 25% total, it might be 10% too few resources brings down to 10% number of humans left. Now, there's another big difference that humans have Empathy and compassion, as far as I can tell, elk don't, or not as much as we do. And we have science. We can predict the future, and we can do something about it. Now, that's what we could do. But let's get back to global warming. Here's how to understand global warming, or climate change, whatever you want to call it, climate chaos. The hunter knew how much food there would be based on past years. He'd seen it the year before and the year before that, and he'd lived there his whole life. So he knows, he knows how much food there is. Climate change means that looking backward doesn't help you predict. It, imagine some of that vegetation that lasts over the winter— some of it, the land beneath it, turns into desert. And some of it, the land beneath it, gets flooded. So in past years, 
there'd been for all his life food for 75 elk over the winter. Climate change means there might be food for 50 over the winter or 25 over the winter. Instead of going 100 elk having enough food for 75, it's 100 elk have enough food for 50. And they might drop down not to 25 elk, but down to 10 elk or 5 elk. This is the problem with global warming or climate change. It means that looking back doesn't work and the collapse increases. We are over the limit right now. We are using more than one Earth worth of resources. Americans are using like five Earths worth of resources, which is to say there's enough resources for 20% of us. Not 75%, but 20% of us. If we do something about it, we can maybe fix this. If we don't do anything about it, we could drop seriously. Now, I'm going to describe the problem in simple terms. It may sound moralistic or ethical, but I'm just stating, as I understand, how things could happen. Oh, and by the way, I'm playing fast and loose with the numbers here, talking about elk and so forth, but people have modeled this out. I'm not making this stuff up. This is stuff that people have projected, and I'm not going to try to get the numbers in detail, but in broad strokes, the following. As simply as if I say, if I hold this pen and I drop it, it will fall. The sun rose this morning in the east and set this evening in the west. Dogs growl, cats purr, and in the same sense that I say these just simple observations, climate change would result in billions of people dying. I'm not trying to say gloom and doom here. I'm just saying that's what would happen, is billions of people would die. This is not something that science can just kind of fix. Because once it starts, it's not just that we run out of food, but once we run out of food and there's climate refugees, then wars begin, and it becomes very difficult to stop things like that. This is why I devote myself to changing course. This is why this has become the most important thing in my life. Well, also because people don't get that switching to living sustainably is a joy. It's fantastic. It's a release from a really, how to describe it, a sedentary and unfulfilling way of living, craving, always wanting more. But that's a topic for another podcast episode. This result is why I devote myself to changing course. My podcast, the episodes with guests, that is practice leading people, not just anyone, but leaders, leaders who can influence large numbers of people. I plan to use my book that I'm working on now. I'm about three quarters of the way through the first draft. I think the current outline is working pretty well for me. So that book is to help lead more people through the book directly and to launch big time to reach the most influential people in society and augment what I'm doing with the podcast on a much bigger scale. I want to mention as an aside, business people should get this point the most. They know how markets can drop in recessions and that companies sometimes have to downsize. It's really painful. I've had to downsize and I've been downsized. It's really painful. Business people know this pain of downsizing. The problem is that they think, well, we recover from recessions. We'll recover from this. They don't distinguish between downsizing a company, which is people losing jobs, to downsizing population, which is people losing their lives. So I do not agree with the trade of Katrina that we lose a couple thousand people, but billions of people improve their lives because billions of people will lose their lives. We'll drop down to below the population that the earth could sustain, just like it would happen with the elk, just like it happens with populations all over the place. I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom or scary. I'm just saying this is what motivates me. If you see a different way about it, please let me know, because as far as I can tell, this is what's to come. If this is a new perspective to you, let me know, because what were you thinking before? Maybe I'm missing something. I try to be humble. But otherwise, let me know how this makes you feel. I'd like to hear. I'd like to learn from you. I'd like to see what we can do about it. Is it so unbelievable that you can't accept it? We're just like, Josh, that's so crazy. I can't believe it. I think a lot of people would feel that way. I think most people, though, have not come to this conclusion that seems not inevitable. Inevitable if we don't change, but we can do something about it. 
But it seems the most likely scenario because of what happens with so many populations, just illustrated by the elk. And that is what I believe is so bad about climate change. Oh, I forgot to mention, when you throw in things like pollution, heavy metals like mercury and lead, forever chemicals, all those sorts of other pollutions, dioxins, species loss, deforestation, that augments everything. A slight quantitative difference, but qualitatively the same. We're talking about billions of people dying. It would be a little bit faster with that way and a little bit sooner, but the effect is still the same. That's what's so bad about our environmental problems, not just climate change.